0: Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Cheney,
1: and Heath. Welcome back to the Thursday edition now of Fantasy Football Today. Hope well, you've been enjoying it. Five episodes this week, and this is number four. And we've got number 60 through 31 in our top 150 countdown. Adam Azer here, Dave, Richard, Jamie Eisenberg, Heath Cummings. How was the video show today?
2: It was Great. awesome. Really good. We went from, we talked about a lot of the players that we're going to talk about today.
1: And more. You guys went uh, 60 to 1 instead of 31. And tomorrow, a little bit of a programming change. Sleepers, breakouts, and busts tomorrow on the video show. So please check that out. All right. We begin our countdown today with three quarterbacks. At 60, 59, and 57, and they are Aaron Rodgers at number 60, Deshaun Watson at 59, and Andrew Luck at 57. Mahomes is at 55. Should we do all four? Why the hell not? Woo! I love it, Dave. I love the enthusiasm. Let's do it! All right, so consensus rankings have Aaron Rodgers. This is the top four, by the way, at quarterback, and they're all within 55 to 60 in the rankings. So Mahomes one, Luck two, Watson three, Aaron Rodgers four. Very very close together. Does anybody see a lot of separation between anybody you know in this pack? Probably Mahomes, but if anyone is there, are they all four like very clumped together for everybody, or is there some separation here?
3: They're all for our top four. We all have different number ones. I've got like a point per game difference between the top two and number four, so however big the difference that is, it's not nothing. And I think I
2: think my top three are Luck, Rogers, Mahomes. I see them as a cluster that'll go one after the other after the other. If I was picking, it's not going to go that way in your drafts. Everybody's going to take Mahomes first, uh, and then what Watson would follow, maybe around behind those first three.
3: And I've got. Mahomes and Watson basically tied, and then Luck and Rogers basically tied. You know what, Adam?
1: Yeah?
2: If I'm drafting, I want the fourth quarterback off the board on draft day because it means I'm getting him later than one, two, and three, and it's going to be one of these four quarterbacks.
0: Jamie, how do you see these four? I think Mahomes will go first uh, based on average draft position, position, and then I think you'll see uh, Luck and Rogers in some order go next, and then a uh, separation, and then Watson.
1: How do you rank them?
0: Uh, I have Rodgers currently first, followed by Luck, followed by Mahomes, uh, but I may move Mahomes back to one. Uh,
1: if Tyree Hill were there, he'd be one for everybody, I assume, right? Yep. Or Heath? And
0: he'd be
2: someone we'd talk about taking with a uh, top 24 pick.
1: Not really in our blood, but we'd at least be talking about it, sure. Uh, I feel like, Heath, before the Tyreek Hill news, you had actually said that you liked Deshaun Watson better than Mahomes in four-point per-passing touchdown leagues. I still do. Yeah, I mean, if you did then, why wouldn't you now? Okay, so then let's talk about (laughs) these guys other than rankings. Uh, Watson. So, I think we've said it before, but in case you don't know, this guy is absolutely unbelievable with Will Fuller. When the two of them are together... I won't even go through the numbers, but in, in 2017, he scored 40 or more fantasy points in three or four games with Will Fuller in 2018. He was on pace for 4,500 yards, passing yards, which is a lot for him. So, um, how about the case for and against the Sean Watson?
3: The case for is like he, we've seen him be the best quarterback in fantasy football before he got hurt his rookie year. They increased his volume a little bit last year. His rushing efficiency improved over the first half of the season. In terms of efficiency, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, plus he runs. So he has, in my opinion, he's the most likely quarterback to finish number one besides Patrick Mahomes, but you can't make an argument, I don't think, for him outside of the top four.
1: Okay, case against Watson. How about let's start with they have a bad offensive line.
3: His line sucks and he might get hurt. It could, be, it
2: could still be one of the worst offensive lines in football, and they addressed it in the draft and free agency, but they addressed it with guys that I, I don't know are really upgrades. Matt Khalil brought over from, or where was his last time? Carolina before Minnesota, right? He started with Minnesota, then Carolina, right. So yes. Khalil might end up being their left tackle to start the year. They, start, they drafted uh, Titus Howard. Do I have that right? Yep. In the first round. And then they drafted another uh, offensive lineman in round three. Uh, This line has let Watson get sacked 81 times in 23 games and once every 8.8 pass attempts. So pencil him in for three sacks a game minimum. (laughs) And despite that, he's still been awesome.
3: I was going to say, like, even with that terrible line last year, he was better than, well, it depends on the scoring format, but in four point Prestige on like he was better than everyone, but we're talking Mahomes that we're talking about right now. Sure. And in, in a standard CBS, he was still better than Rodgers.
2: but just imagine him behind Andrew Luck's line or Aaron Rodgers' line, or even Patrick Mahomes line. And he just, he would be, I, I think the case for him to be number one overall would be a lot easier to make.
1: Jamie, what's your case for Aaron Rodgers? I'm sure it's a very difficult case to make her Aaron Rodgers Number one overall.
0: I think he's going to have a, a, sort of like a prove it season. Um, He's going to – I think he could be the NFL MVP again. I don't know that's not a big stretch, but I I just think that, you know, the change will be good for him. The change of coach, the change of play calling, the change of just being around a different system that I think got stale over the last two years. And so I love the addition of Matt LaFleur. Whether LaFleur is good or not remains to be seen, but just a different voice in his ear – uh, a healthy Geronimo Allison. The fact that he's healthy. Uh, better defense, which I think will give him some more opportunities for plays. I, I just love the outlook for him this season. So uh, even if I move Mahomes to one, Rodgers will still be two. Could I play devil's advocate on Rodgers? No. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yes, that's what we're here well, for. Well, I mean, he's
2: my number two quarterback, so <laughs> I, I love him just You're not, as much not even as supposed to. Just go right at him. <laughs> yeah, come on. Here are his first five opponents this year. Chicago in Chicago. Minnesota at home. Denver at home, Philly at home, and at Dallas. It's it's not easy. Now, granted, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. He's awesome. But he's he. we just got done talking about Deshaun Watson and how he's going to get knocked around. It's going to happen to Aaron Rodgers, too, to begin the year.
1: It's a fair point because he had 30 fantasy points against the Bears in week one. That was great then he had 17 against Minnesota and 2 weeks later he had 16 against Buffalo. Buffalo was actually really good against quarterbacks. Now, Rodgers was playing hurt since, you know, from week 1 on. And we saw a few years ago Russell Wilson got hurt in week 1 and had his worst season, bounced back as the number 1 quarterback, I believe, the following year. Uh, you know, so so the if you look at Rodgers, a lot of the numbers are a little alarming. The rate stats are are looking worse, you know, the yards per attempt, the completion percentage, but you cannot just ignore the fact that he was playing hurt the entire season. Uh let's go to Mahomes. Case for and case against. Heath make the case for Patrick Mahomes.
3: If you take away eighteen percent of his production from last year, nearly a fifth, he's still better than every other quarterback last year. <laughs> That's pretty good. Do I need to I like, guess there need to be an additional case made for him? No, what's the case against Patrick Mahomes? He could lose more than that. Like you could lose Tyreek Hill for the entire season and have regression and maybe he's only like the third best quarterback.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, and the other case is he had his best he had the best quarterback season since Peyton Manning in 2013. Manning after Manning's 5400 or 5500 yard 55 touchdown season. The following year he was the fourth best quarterback in fantasy and he still had a great year. But it's just hard to do it again. All right, there are your top four quarterbacks. You decide who you like best. And then there's just like this little guy just kind of sandwiched in between these stud quarterbacks. And his name is DJ Moore. And he is a second-year wide receiver for the Panthers. He's number 58 overall in our top 150. And at wide receiver, DJ Moore is wide receiver 24. All right, uh, Jamie, what are we thinking about DJ Moore right now? Who had a nice rookie year, only two touchdowns, but solid year.
0: I mean, the hope is that he, you know, becomes the number one guy that I thought he was going to be last year. You know, Funches still kind of kept him a little bit at arm's length in terms of, you know, just being the the go-to guy while Cam was healthy. But as the season went on, he started just to become a little bit more prominent. And there were two games last year where Funches didn't play. Week 12 against Seattle, week 17 at New Orleans. And he had eight catches for 91 yards on nine targets against the Seahawks and four for 81 on eight targets against the Saints. But that was without Cam. So, you know, with the, the top two guys, this is why I like Curtis Samuel as well. It's so with the top two guys being Moore and Samuel, there's just opportunities for these guys to be the focal point. Uh, and I know that Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson will get theirs or whatever tight end is going to be healthy is going to get theirs. But uh, in terms of the receivers, Moore should be the number one receiver from Cam Newton, which puts him in the breakout range for 2019.
2: Do you think he's how, – how much better is he than Curtis Samuel?
0: I hope significantly.
2: I I almost feel like they're similar. Now, DJ Moore is a little more polished than Samuel, I'd say. But they're both shifty, yards after the catch, short area targets, volume-driven
3: receivers. I think Moore is better at actual receiver things. Yes. I think Samuel has some talents in the short area pass game and maybe in the running game. But I would, I like D.J. Moore as an actual pure receiver.
2: I, I like the fact that he led the team in targets, catches, and yards as a rookie.
1: Mm-hmm. And red zone targets with eight. That's not a big number, but he did lead the team. Three targets inside the 10-yard line. I, I worry about – I did anyway before I did some numbers crunching. I did worry about touchdowns because Cam Newton has one season in his career with more than 24 touchdown passes. That was his MVP season. He had 35. But prior to last year, Cam – wasn't right, obviously. Prior to last year, a wide receiver caught seven to ten touchdowns in four straight seasons. So I, I'd be shocked if Moore had ten touchdowns. But mm-hmm. at fifty eighth overall, you don't need him to get that. And I think seven, you know, would be really solid and could be more. Seven would be great. And Cam
2: had a really good year until the end of the year.
1: He but and he still wasn't right. Like he was playing hurt. He still was producing even with yeah. an arm injury.
2: It, it was like twelve games, something like that, where he was fine, and then all of a sudden. His arm fell off.
1: All right, Sony Michelle is next up in our countdown. He is number fifty six overall. Number fifty-four overall is David Montgomery and uh the rookie running back for the Bears. And number fifty-three is Mark Ingram. So let's take a look at these three running backs. In our rankings, they are running backs twenty-eight, twenty-seven, and twenty-six. They are Sony Michel, David Montgomery, and Mark Ingram. Ingram being the the highest of the three. Obviously, it's very close. I do feel like when we've done our mock drafts recently, he's been the last one to go. Uh, may, he certainly hasn't gone ahead of Michelle. But are things changing? This just in our drafts. I feel
3: they should. Yeah, I mean, it's easier to get excited over Sony Michelle than it is Mark Ingram. But Michelle, I like even though Ingram's twenty nine years old. I do think Michelle's more of a risk partially because of his knee, partially because things are so crowded in new England. Something's up with Sony Michelle.
2: He didn't partake in minicamp. camp. That's
0: for personal reasons. Though. I don't think it's, is it?
2: Thing. I hope it is. is it? I, I hope so. Um, but the addition of Damian Harrison talked about it on this show when Ben Volan was on, however many weeks ago it was that Harris is going to have a role in this offense. You know, James White's going to have a role in this offense. Uh, I, I don't have a problem taking Montgomery ahead of Michelle. And I'm uh, to me, Michelle and Ingram, they're back-to-back in my rankings in PPR. And they're two spots apart in my top 200. It's not much. So if you like Mark Ingram and that volume that he might get in that Ravens offense, you're going to take him ahead of Michelle.
1: Michelle caught seven passes in 13 games last year. So obviously he's going to be someone whose value is very different in non-PPR versus PPR. These are our PPR rankings. And we are outside the top 24 at running back, 26, 27, and 28. Who catches the most passes out of Michelle, Montgomery, and Ingram? I like Montgomery to get that.
3: I have Montgomery projected for 29, Ingram for
0: 22, and Michelle for 11. I'll take Ingram. He's proven he can be a pass catcher in the NFL, and you're talking about a quarterback that's got limitations throwing the ball down the field.
1: Are you comfortable with these guys being your number two running back in PPR?
3: More Ingram than the other two. Uh, agreed.
1: Who's got
0: the most upside?
3: Montgomery. Ingram. Hopefully, it's Montgomery. I would say Sony Michel.
0: I think it's Ingram <laughs> <laughs> but because yeah, I have Ingram ranked the highest. But I think that, you know Montgomery could be a monster. Yeah, but you know, I, but it, Ingram it, has been a monster, and
1: they ran the ball more than any team in football. A hundred
0: percent. That's why I think he's the safest of the of the three. But you know, if Montgomery can keep Tariq Cohen off the field in some capacity in the pass-catching role. That's the biggest fear, is that Tariq Cohen just does what he did a year ago. Right. And then that's going to limit what Montgomery can do. Tariq, where's Tariq Cohen?
1: Did we talk about him yet, or is he coming up?
0: He's coming up. Okay.
1: Yeah, so so uh, Jordan Howard had 20 catches last year. Tariq Cohen had 71.
0: But remember, this time last year, Jordan Howard was the, the next coming of Roger Craig.
1: <laughs> exactly. Or the next Mark Ingram. Uh, All right, so that brings us to 53 in the countdown, which is Mark Ingram. Now 52, to me, this guy I think is, I don't know quite the adjective. Confusing, hit or miss. Uh, I feel like a lot of potential outcomes are there. For wide receiver 23, overall number 52, Tyler Boyd of the Bengals. Just kind of snuck up on us with a really good year last year. Where are you guys at on Tyler Boyd, who was number 17 at wide receiver last year?
2: It's a good spot for him. It's a real good spot for him. Uh, I think he's a good PPR number two receiver, but toward the low end of almost where he is right in our rankings. Yeah, 23rd, 21, 22, 23, 24, somewhere in that range.
3: And I like him just a little bit more than that. Um, I've got him just inside of my top 20 at wide receiver and PPR. And I don't know that his numbers really fall off that much because A.J. Greenspeck.
2: No, if anything, they might bounce back because he did better with A.J. Green on the field than without A.J. Green on the field.
3: Yeah, significantly better.
1: His 16-game pace with Green was, like, ridiculous. 98 catches, 1,240 yards, and 10 touchdowns. on That that is a
3: little bit jaded because his biggest game of the year was Week 8 when Green left at halftime. And Tyler Boyd had 100 yards and a touchdown in the second half of that game. All
1: right. Because uh, I w- I thought you were going to say like we the one game where AJ Green came back and got hurt after one target I didn't include that one, but I did include the game you just referenced. His 16 game pace without AJ Green in six games was still really good. 72 catches, about 1100 yards, and five targets. All right, but thank and you. That- that's good clarity. Appreciate that.
2: Th- this is an offense that I expect to be a lot like the Rams. Zach Taylor. We we've seen just a little taste of what Zach Taylor's offenses look like, and. One of the elements that he's leaned on both at Miami when he called plays for the Dolphins for, I think it was five games, and at the
3: University of Cincinnati
2: was slot receivers.
3: It's exactly what Tyler
2: Boyd does. So I think that volume will be there for him
3: again. And, and I think that the other thing that's like the Rams that might actually hurt A.J. Green a little bit is the Rams don't throw the ball to anybody 150 times. They spread the ball around. And I, I expect Green and Boyd to be closer in targets than people are probably
0: anticipating. Well, I mean, that's if Taylor's exactly like Sean McVeigh.
3: right. Which he he better be be. exactly. He could be, but like Green in the past has needed 150 targets to
2: be really elite. And where I would go in a different direction is that the Bengals don't have the type of receiving core that the Rams have had for the last couple of seasons.
0: No, but they may have what was at the end of the season with two guys that should be stars: Boyd and John Ross. No, Boyd and AJ Green. No,
1: Boyd and AJ Green with like that the equivalent of Cooper Cup getting hurt and just leaving Cooks and Woods. Yeah, and,
3: and you can have John Ross. We'll take Yeah, I don't,
1: I don't I don't want John Ross. Well, apparently you do. I do. Why?
2: <laughs> I just said, I just brought up his name. I didn't say I wanted him. <laughs> I said they I was two, about to ridicule I you for I said they are two guys and you, you brought up I was John ready Ross. to pounce. No, <laughs> I do not want John Ross.
1: Nobody's nobody's ridiculing anyone. Okay, so that's Tyler Boyd 52 overall. Let's get a tight end in here at 51 overall. On our previous show, we talked about a lot of tight ends. We talked about O.J. Howard, Jared Cook, Hunter Henry, And now we get to Evan Ingram, who is tight end four, and he's 51. That puts him 15 spots ahead of O.J. Howard, who's tight end five uh, at 66 overall. Is Evan Ingram a round and a half almost better than O.J. Howard?
2: I'll say yes, but it's contingent on his training camp availability because he's another guy who missed minicamp.
3: There's a bigger difference between the big three and Ingram than Ingram and anyone else, but there's a bigger difference between Ingram and Howard than there is between like Howard and Henry. Fair. That's pretty well said.
1: Who, lo- who loves Evan Ingram this year? Me. Well, by all means, make your case.
0: I mean, you just look at his numbers when there's been no Beckham, they kind of speak for themselves. It's just, you know, the opportunity for him to be the best player in this receiving core is, is wide open. So I hope he takes advantage of it. You know, I thought he was going to be a bust last year with everybody there uh, with the addition of Barkley. And he kind of was when Beckham was on the field. He just didn't play as well. But, um, you know, his three, three of the four games he had last year without Beckham on the field, he scored at least 15 PPR points. Uh, You go back the year before 12 games without Beckham. He had six with at least 15. You know, I just think he's going to be the guy that Eli Manning leans on. It's a it's a coach that used to be a former tight ends coach in Pat Shermer. We saw what he did when he was the office coordinator in Minnesota for Kyle Rudolph that one season. I think he's going to realize. I mean, I talked to him about this at donors' Meeting. You know, he he realizes that Evan Ingram's a difference maker. So uh, I think you'll see that come to fruition. You know, without Beckham on the field. And where are you, where are you drafting him? Round four, four or five turn. I yep. I
3: think it'd be interesting yep. to see like if Ingram hadn't missed five games last year if he's getting drafted much, much closer to the big three, because he was actually better last year, in term, much better in terms of catch rate, much better in terms of yards per target, better in terms of yards per game, yards per reception. It was really just the fact that he only played 11 games.
1: Also, there's Golden Tate. I mean, it's not just we're losing Beckham. We're adding Golden Tate, who's probably going to do exactly what Beckham, uh, who's going to do something, you know, uh, but... Your point is taken, Jamie. I mean, 16-game pace in last year without Beckham was 88 catches, 1,280 yards, four touchdowns. 16-game game pace in 2017 without Beckham was 835 yards and eight touchdowns. So he has been awesome. And it'll be kind of interesting to see, can he do that you know, with Tate there? There's obviously a big opportunity. Uh, he finished
2: right. sixth in average PPR points per game last year with 10.8. That's his whole season, cumulatively. And that's behind guys like Eric Ebron, who we think is going to take a step back. Jared Cook, who probably will take a step back. And uh, let's call it seventh. O.J. Howard also finished ahead of him, points per game. And he got hurt.
3: Well, and I think if you just look like at his 16-game 16, 16 pace for his career is 60-plus catches, 800 yards, and six touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I, I, ex- I think I expect more than that. Do you?
3: I've got him at sixty nine, eight twenty six, and six. If you're taking him as a top fifty pick, you need to expect a little I more. I think than so, that. but yeah, not a lot. I say
1: so. All right, uh, listen. I got to tell you about the World Series of Poker again because I think this is actually really like this is amazing. Events that you cannot see anywhere else. You can see on the CBS Sports app or the CBS app, excuse me, or CBS.com slash poker. That would be twenty five bracelet events that you cannot watch anywhere else, including the one hundred K high roller and the one hundred K six max. It's going to be a showdown of some of the biggest names in the game. So if you want a free trial, download the CBS app or go to cbs.com poker and uh, start watching the World Series of Poker. We are now in the top 50. Number 50 is Calvin Ridley. Number 49 is Sammy Watkins. Back-to-back here. And then Cooper Cup is 48. So we go with three wide receivers at 50, 49, and 48. They are wide receivers 22, 21, and wide receiver 20. Uh, Ridley, Watkins, and Cup. I'm just going to say it. Watkins, I love head and shoulders above Ridley and Cup this year. Not even close for me.
3: Cool. Um, I do my projections only on a 16-game basis, and then I'll just move guys a little bit in my rankings if I want to factor in injuries, which I don't do with most players because I think I'm bad at predicting injuries. But I do it with Sammy Watkins because they're pretty much a given. But his sixteen game projection has him as the number eight wide receiver.
0: Oh, you're Man, it, it would <laughs> be so much fun to see him stay home. Even if Tyree yeah. Kill's there. Just to see what he could do. Tied with Odell Beckham.
1: Oh, you're too low on him. Because I guarantee you he's top five if he plays
3: sixteen games. I guarantee it. Well, that's an easy guarantee to make because you know he's not <laughs> going to play sixteen games. So you know how about this? Do you want to guarantee that he's top five on a per game basis?
1: If Tyree Kill does not play at all, right? I guarantee he's top ten on a per game basis.
3: No, you said top five. Well, I said top five. You he plays sixteen low. games
1: because obviously some of the elite receivers are going to miss some time. I'll say, I'll say he's top eight on a per game basis. Sammy, That's agreeing Watkins. with me? That's yeah. where I have him ranked. Yeah, exactly. Projected, not ranked.
3: <laughs> not going to rank him that high. But yes, I agree with you. If, like on a per game basis. If Tyreek Hill doesn't play, Sammy Watkins is in a different discussion than the rest of these
0: receivers. You're talking about there's there's no chance, barring injury, that Ridley's better than Julio Jones, and there's no chance that Cooper Cup is that much better than the other two Rams guys. Right. But if Tyreek Hill is out, and you get 13 games from Sammy Watkins as the number one guy for Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, right. It's Even if gonna be, some it, time. it should be amazing.
1: Yeah, it should be. What's he... your
2: What do you think of Watkins? Just You hear the name Sammy Watkins... Injury How from. would you describe him? Uh past that, past that. Forget about the injury. I would say he's very pesky. talented.
3: He's very very good.
2: Yeah, really do good. Do you think of him as only a deep ball threat, and only scoring? No, he's, no, no, he's no. he showed us stuff last year that people didn't think he could do. And the year before, 10 of his last 11 touchdowns are in the red zone. So, and I still it, it, you can go back and find games where he has big catches, deep catches too. So, he's much he, more of a complete receiver you, than I think people give credit. So, move him
3: up. Move him up a little more. I'm. Join you have us. to account for Join injury us. with him. <laughs> Join us. Him. I, I have accounted for injury. You've moved him down for 16 games, you said. <laughs> right. I moved him down in the rankings. If I had him ranked for 16 games. You'd be games, in your top 12. He would be in my top 15. Okay. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about Calvin Ridley versus Cooper Cup. Who do you guys like there?
3: Cup. Assuming
0: I, he's healthy.
2: I'm going to go with Ridley. I believe I have Ridley ranked higher as of now.
0: I'm just nervous the touchdowns come down and he doesn't do much else to enhance his numbers. I do have the touchdowns
3: coming down to seven, um, but I think he gets more targets.
0: But you said today on the show you thought they're going to be better running the ball. Yeah, I think so. So who's losing then if he's getting more targets?
1: um, Sanu and Hooper would be the candidates.
0: Hooper would definitely be a candidate.
3: Yeah, I've got Hooper for a couple less, I believe, and I need to look. I believe they threw like sixty tar- too many targets to bad receivers last year too.
1: I think Julio Jones had like hundred and seventy, didn't he?
3: He led the NFL. Yeah. So could, does anybody have, could, have could, the Falcons' yeah. targets from last year, and I'll just tell you where I adjust them. Do I really All have right. to look this up? Well, not if you don't. We can just talk about something else if you don't want to talk about it.
1: Uh, well, why do you like Ridley better than Cup? Let's talk about that.
3: Um, I. Th- think that he will get more targets this year than Cooper Cup.
0: So nobody outside of Julio Jones had more than 100 targets. Sanu was at 94, Ridley was at 92, Hooper was at 88. Those were their top four guys. I've got Hooper at 80, Sanu at
3: 86, and Julio at 166. So those are all a small drop from last year.
0: And Ridley goes from 92 to where? 109.
3: Then you think that Matt Ryan's going to throw basically the same
1: amount as he did last year. I've got him
3: at 570.
1: What did he have last year?
0: 604.
3: Uh, 604.
1: I mean, I, let's. I don't want to get too bogged down in the math with Ridley because this guy but, has big playability. He's in, in, great, you yeah, know. Great. So is,
0: I, I don't want to come across as I don't like Calvin Ridley. I just think he's he's a sixty five, eight hundred and seven guy. It,
1: yeah. How do you weigh that against? He was a first round pick with a great pedigree. Are we missing? a What I, I said this about someone else yesterday. I don't remember who it was, but like, are we missing a star? Oh, Mike Williams. You know. How do you weigh what your brain is telling you against like, hey, there's this chance that Calvin Ridley is just awesome.
0: There's another guy on the field with him that's better. <laughs> yeah, Right. Like, if would I think, take a Julio Jones injury. Cup might to, have two guys
3: on the field with him that are better.
0: Uh, uh, they, maybe. They, they might be. But, you know, I, I think the the Rams have like such a distinct skill set with their guys. Cooks is their deep threat. Woods is kind of their do-it-all guy. And Cup is the guy that lives in the middle of the field. And scores. And scores. And so like Ridley to me is, is the chance to be a do it all guy, but I want to see that from him a little bit more first. I want to see him go from like, okay, so he gets 17 more targets that that very, very well happened. But if he doesn't convert those to touchdowns at the same level that he did a year ago, is he, is he taking those 17 and turning it into a thousand yard receiving year? I've got him at nine seventy, and and how many scores seven. So he loses three touchdowns, but he goes over 150 more yards. Right.
1: By the way, Cooper Cup had seven targets inside the ten yard line last
0: year. The He was on pace for sixteen touchdowns. He was on pace for sixteen touchdowns in in the eighth. Right. Right. Yeah.
3: All right. And that might be part of it. I might like I've got Cooper Cup with six touchdowns. He scored five as a rookie. He scored six in half a season last year. If he scores eight or nine, then that'll look silly.
2: How much of Cup's ranking has to do with the ACL? I'm not too worried about it. I don't think you should be anymore.
1: All right, let's move on, guys. From Cooper Cup to two running backs. In one of the, you know, they were both like very good in PPR last year. One of them has certainly the ability and the opportunity to get a lot more carries. Kenyon Drake is number forty-seven overall in our rankings. Tariq Cohen is number forty-six. Drake is RB twenty-five. Uh, Tariq Cohen is RB twenty-four. Do you look at them as similar players or very different? <laughs> Different. Last year, last year they were similar. I think this year probably pretty different, right?
0: I think Drake could be a monster. I really do. I just hope that Brian Flores realizes it. But I mean, look, look Kaelin Bellage is just so improving. The 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 young kids that they have there. I, I mean, it, it just it, it sets up for Drake to have just a monster season. Like I I have a hard time not putting him higher than I do. And like I'm looking at our rankings now, Heath, you have him at 16. Like, and kudos to you because I think he could be in that range. It's just like I. I, I can't bring myself to put him ahead of guys like Marlon Mack and carry on Johnson. And, uh, it, as much as I, I'm nervous about Damien Williams, I even have Damien Williams ahead of him, but I, I would not be surprised if he's better than all those guys. He's going to be one of the best values on draft day. If he does what he's capable of doing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Confession. He is another guy like Sammy Watkins that I've ranked below where I have him projected because? Because I have not projected as the number 12 running back in PPR. I don't want to rank him that The
0: funny thing is, is you're the high guy in 16. He finished better than that last year. And what everybody will tell you was a bad season. And it was. It was a bad season just in terms of his usage and the comfort and confidence that you had in putting him in your lineup. But he still was productive in that bad season. It's like a poor man's David Johnson. Like Things can only get better for him. And if they do, it could just be ridiculous.
2: We just got done talking about Touchdown regression with Calvin Ridley, Drake had nine touchdowns total last year. Is he is he going to get that many? Well, his
3: touches should go up. That's that's the whole key. Is like I, I mean, look I at what he, he was sh-
0: in twenty seventeen.
3: I think he should touch the ball two hundred and eighty to three hundred times. Oh my gosh, he should. Now I don't know if he will. I think he's he's going to see a lot of action
2: because the Dolphins are going to trail a ton and he's going to catch passes out of the backfield like a madman. If you told me Kenyon Drake was going to Lead all running backs in receptions this year. I'd say, all right, all running backs might be a little steep, but top six?
0: He has, I think he can get almo- there. almost identical touches to what Tariq Cohen had. 173. Tariq Cohen was at 170. Yeah. He averaged four and a half yards per carry. He had 73 targets in the 53 catches that he got. I mean, the what do you have him projected for? How many carries? So he goes from 120 to where? 224. Okay, so 100 more carries. I, I would knock that down to, let's say, 70 more. So let's say he's just shy of 200 carries. I think 53 catches is easy for him in this offense. I've got him at 58. Right. So I think that's low. I so, think you can get 65. So if, if he goes from 173 to 250 to 270 just in terms of his total touches at, at just over 1,000 total yards last year, and again what was just a terrible scenario for him, Frank Gore got so many r- – yeah, it ridiculous. Wasted carries. Say something mean about Adam Gase, moron. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, right. I, 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 just think that you know Drake has a chance here. To I'm going to move him up right now. I, All I,
2: right. I I <laughs> well, hold on. It. So I want this. I want this uh, a live move up. Who are you moving him ahead of?
0: Uh, Damian Wayne was easy.
2: Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. I. That can't be that easy. Man, I'm planning him right at twenty eight, which is right where I've had him.
1: All right, so so Dave, make the case for Tariq Cohen, please, real quick.
0: And that's in PPR. I'm gonna keep him where he is and
2: not. Yeah, I've got him I've got him way in the back of the pack in PPR because I just don't trust anything dolphins at this point. Make the case for Tariq Cohen.
1: Yeah, if you could in three seconds.
2: I'm a bad person to ask for that.
1: Who's making the case for Tariq Cohen?
3: He ought to catch another seventy passes. He's gonna have around hundred yards. He'll be wildly efficient. He'll score six to eight touchdowns. He's a valuable running back in PPR that you probably don't want to start, and you're not feeling great about flexing in non-PPR.
1: There were nine running backs who caught more than 60 passes last year. Uh, Six of them, let me just get the, gosh, what the hell was it? Six of them finished in my James White stat. Six of them finished in the top 12, I think. And then the other three were Jalen Rashard, Theo Riddick, and someone else who I'll tell you about later. I apologize. All right, moving on. We got Chris Godwin, 45. Uh, Chris Godwin is 45 overall. And, yeah, we'll just talk about Chris Godwin. So I had mentioned several times that I felt like he was sort of going a little bit too high. And this is kind of where he was going. So do you guys think 45 is right for Chris Godwin?
2: If you want Chris Godwin, you've got to be in this area to get him, I don't think you'll ever see him in round five, unless you're drafting with noobs.
1: Is that deserved?
2: Yes. You heard Bruce Arians come out and say that th- he's got a chance to be a 100 catch guy. He will not leave the field last year. He did. He's going to play in the slot more, or at least that's the thinking unless, you know, there was a report about some other receivers at bucks camp, you know, looking good in shorts. I, I think Godwin's got the job on lock. He didn't have a lot of 20-point PPR games last year, but he had a lot with 16 and 17. And to me, that's a telltale sign for young players when they're that close, when they have so many games that are just close enough to reaching a certain point that they go, they, they get in a position to be put over the top. He's actually part of the reason why I'm a little nervous about O.J. Howard having a big breakout year because I think Godwin is the one who has the breakout year in Tampa
0: Bay. There's so many targets available, though, just giving – Howard a bump of what he did a year ago, plus the loss of Deshaun Jackson, the loss of Adam Humphries. It's not like Godwin's gonna do all that by himself. I think Evans the, should still get a good they you know, have the very four, close to what he did a year ago. The
3: fourth most targets available from last year, two hundred and thirty-four.
0: Yeah. They
1: also had the number one passing offense last year, and I, I don't think that'll happen again. I mean that should should be high, but you think it probably won't be number one. Uh but I think the good thing about when you compare wide receivers and tight ends is like They both could be really good because Godwin could catch a ton of passes and O.J. Howard could catch touchdowns. And then they're kind of like problem solved. Uh, All right, so that's Godwin. And let's go to our next running back. It's James White. So he's just ahead of Tariq Cohen but basically tied. And then we have Chris Carson right after James White. These guys are 44th and 43rd in our consensus rankings. And that brings us to RB... James White RB twenty three and Chris Carson RB twenty two. Jamie, who do you prefer between White and Carson?
0: On uh, PPR, James White. I just think what he does in the passing game um, should still be right on par with what he did. It's just the touchdowns, you know. Can he sustain sustain scoring as much as he did a year ago? But you know, with uh, with what this receiving core is lacking, especially with Gronk gone, uh, this is going to be you know one of two safety valves for Brady along with Julian Edelman. So. Um, I don't like him this high in, in non-PPR for obvious reasons, but I think in PPR, you know, 80, cl- 80 catches would not be a stretch for him. He's also in a contract year, too.
1: He had 87 last year. Here was the stat. Nine running backs caught 60 or more passes last year. Six of them finished in the top 11 in PPR. Then there was Naeem Hines was 27th, Jalen Rashard 29th, and Theo Riddick was 43rd. Uh, what scares me about pass-catching running backs in general is, like, I do feel like they sort of rely on pa- on receiving touchdowns. And those are really hard to predict. And that gives you some bust potential. And what do you make of the fact that in his last seven regular season games, James White only had 42 targets. In his first nine, he had 81 targets. They just didn't throw to him as much until he had 15 catches against the Chargers in the playoffs.
0: Well, four of those first nine without Edelman. Edelman, right?
1: That's true. But the next five, he still was getting a ton of targets.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, look, they went through uh, some changes. You know, you had Josh Gordon leaving the team, uh, so that was a change. You you know had the return to health of, of Sonny Sony Michelle. That was a change. You know, so they had a, a semblance of a stronger running game. You know, Michelle was battling that knee injury earlier in the season, so I I think that's just the way the Patriots are. You know, they'll start to I think scale back some guys when it comes to uh you know getting them ready for the playoffs too.
1: Okay, so actually our next running back is Chris Carson, but instead of grouping Carson with James White. Makes more sense to group him with the next two guys on the list. So Carson's 43. Brandon Cooks is 42. We'll come back to him. Josh Jacobs is 41. Rookie running back for the Raiders. And Tennessee running back Derek Henry is number 40. So how would you guys rank? The consensus is Henry, Jacobs, Carson. How would you guys rank those three?
0: Just like that. Henry, Carson, Jacobs. Uh, Jacobs, Henry Carson
1: <laughs> Alright, there you go So let's start, well I guess we'll count down Let's start with Chris Carson Give me quick thoughts on Chris Carson 14th in non-PPR, 15th in PPR last year Only 20 catches though
3: Yeah, I think I mean, if, if Rashad Penny Doesn't take the job from him I and mean, He stays healthy for 16 games He's got a, a very good shot to be a top 12 running back Regardless of format But there is a little bit of fear Over Penny taking too many touches For that to happen
2: does it bother you that he only had six games with more than fifteen PPR points, or fifteen or more PPR points last year?
3: Not particularly.
2: Yeah, when I'm when I'm drafting that number two RB, I'm looking for
3: somebody that can give me a little bit more than that. I would just wonder how many he had with thirteen or fourteen. Like I, I think I got one.
2: You, I got two,
1: two. So what? What's a good
2: number? Honestly, I think the number is eighteen. For what? For a quality day at the office in PPR for a running back,
1: I don't know. That sounds high. That's
2: high. That's extremely high. It was the average for the top twelve last year. Well, but he's not going not, to the top yeah, twelve. No one's considering in, him as a top twelve.
1: We're not drafting him to be that. Plus, like Carson will probably be better in non PPR because he, you know, he only caught twenty passes last year and fourteen, and he minutes. had
0: one game with six catches.
1: Right. So I'm not looking for him to get me sixteen per game. No, he
0: he's he's outside my top twenty four for.
1: PPR uh, where is he in the consensus I'm sorry let me just look that up I think it was what, like 21 or something?
0: 23 I think maybe uh,
3: and I've actually yeah. moved him yeah, down a 22. little bit so he's he's probably was more like 24 25 but I, I think there still is big upside here because it's going to be one of the most run heavy offenses in the NFL
0: but does he go from where he was at the end of the season which was 22 22 27 19 carries with again factoring in that game in San Francisco in week 15 we had six catches to where it was closer to the beginning of the season where at least at the beginning it was seven, six, then he had the 32 carry game against Dallas, which was kind of like, okay, he's the guy, uh, missed the game following week. You know, it just, I I feel like he's closer to, to where he was in that, that week six Oakland game, 14 for 59, no catches. Let's just say he has one catch or two catches in that game. So 15, 16 touches. If Rashad Penny's doing what he's supposed to do, uh, healthy now, wasn't healthy last preseason you know, expectations are going to be a little bit higher for him. He knows the offense now. He didn't know the offense last year. Um, I, I just feel like Penny's going to be so much of a nuisance for him. Like you're hoping for this Green Bay game, which was 17 carries, 83 yards, and a touchdown. The Carolina game, 16 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown, two catches on top of that. That feels closer to what he's going to be. Still that's, that's potential to start, but just not necessarily guaranteed giving you what he gave you a year ago. So I'm very concerned about him. The only saving grace for him is, is like you said, Heath, this offense is so run-dominant that gives him the opportunity to get a lot of touches.
1: Okay, let's move on to Josh Jacobs now. RB21 in the rankings and number 41 overall. Thoughts on Josh Jacobs?
2: Awesome landing spot. Best landing spot that, well, I guess Tampa Bay would have been. I don't even know. I think Tampa Bay would have been as good. We'll call it that. But the offensive line in Oakland is, has gotten better, and he's going to get a lot of work in this offense. John Gruden wanted him. He, John Gruden told him before the draft, I'm going to take you if you're there at 24, and he did. Um, track record of running backs in Gruden's system is pretty good. 10 of 12 years, a running back has totaled over a 1,000 yards. 9 of 12 years, a running back has had 40-plus catches. 7 of 12 years, a running back has scored seven times. And even though we were disappointed with Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin for the most part of last season, they combined for nine games with 15-plus touches, and this—he's—he's going to be better than that. I think he's got great upside and a pretty safe floor too, based on Gruden's history. And I don't mind that he only had 299 touches in college at Alabama. That inexperience—I I like it.
3: Yeah, that's—that's that's where Dave and I are different. I just—and I think there, are, like, you can be on both sides of this. I would rather have a back that I've seen handle 15 to 20 touches a game for a full season. Not that I think it means he can't do it. He very possibly can. We just haven't ever seen it. The things that worry me are how much do the Raiders run with their defense and with Antonio Brown and all the investments they made in the passing game. And when they do pass, is it Josh Jacobs or is Jalen Richard, who got 81 targets last year, and I think is very good and has been very good statistically in that role, still the third down back.
1: We have had at least two rookie running backs finish in the top 12 four straight seasons. So if you get Josh Jacobs at 41 overall, you could be very, very happy with that. Ten more players to go in the countdown today, and then 30 more tomorrow. Brings us to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, yeah, what a fun year he had. was, you know, a, a huge bust. Until the final four games of the year when he averaged 6.7 yards per carry, had 585 yards and seven touchdowns in those four games. I wish I had – I can try to look it up, actually. His start percentage in the Jacksonville game on Thursday night when he had four touchdowns and 200 yards or whatever it was. Um, 17 carries, 238 yards and four touchdowns. Derek Henry, how do you feel about him? Go.
0: I mean, he's obviously better in non-PPR than he is in PPR, but his – his chance in this offense is is special, you know. I mean, he's got every opportunity to be the feature back. I know Deion Lewis will get some catches or some some touches. Obviously, you know, be the guy they use in the passing game. But you know, if, if they learned something from last year, it was that Derrick Henry can actually be the catalyst of their offense. They changed things, which you know, you, you look at the beginning of the season, two of his first three games, he had at least eighteen carries. So it's not like they were going away from him or not trying to get him going. He was their guy, but. That's when Mariota was hurt. Delaney Walker was hurt. There was a, a lot of what the hell do we do? You remember that Houston game in week two? We got 18 carries, but they were just basically saying, we're going to try and win this however we we can, and they did. Uh, but the end of the season, 17, 33, 21, 16, you know, uh, three catches over that span. So you just know what he is. He's not going to be a high-volume catch guy. He's going to be a high-volume rush guy. When he scores, you'll be thrilled. When he doesn't, you just have to hope that he gets you what he did in week 17, 16 for 93, and that's not a bad day at the office. It's just not a touchdown.
2: I, uh, I I don't think you should count him for receptions at all. He did say this offseason that he wants to be – he's working on his receiving game and he wants to be used there. And if the Titans are really going to commit to their offense being, okay, Derek, go, then they've got to find ways to make him go. And one of those ways has to be through the air. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had an uptick in catches. Could be in the low 20s by the time it's all said and done. But we're always looking for running backs that are going to
0: have 15-plus touches and work the goal line.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Well – Hello,
0: Derek Henry. You're going
2: to do exactly that.
0: So. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll just give you an example. For for me with in PPR, I struggle with him versus three coin.
3: Yeah, yeah I'm taking Henry
0: all the way. I, I'm not as confident.
3: Yeah, I've got Cohen uh about five or six spots
0: ahead of Henry. Yeah, it's just, you know, what, what their skill set is 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 dramatically different in each format.
1: Henry, by the way, was only started in 14% of leagues that, that fateful night. All right, next up in the countdown, we've got a wide receiver. Uh, so Derek Henry was RB twenty, and Kenny Galladay, I believe, is wide receiver seventeen, and he's next up in the rankings, and uh, he is number thirty nine overall. Uh, only thing, like the only flaw, I guess, I could find in Galladay is that he really did a lot of his work after Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, like a lot of his big damage. You know, they were out, traded, or yeah. hurt. So what do I you think? I
3: think it's pretty like it's immense upside. It's immense talent and there is fear over the fact he's on a team that has just screamed all off season we want to run the ball and draft a tight end to take targets.
1: I'm usually pretty pumped when I draft him though. But, but thirty nine I feel like he's
3: Oh, he's a fun player to draft because you can yeah. just um, just imagine him jumping over guys and grabbing the ball with one hand and dancing into the end zone. It's he's fun to have.
1: Yeah, that, but... that range, like I kinda like it. You know, I take I'd take him over the Rams guys. Would you?
3: I'd take him over Cup. Maybe Cooks, not Woods.
1: Okay. Yeah, he is fun. He was 21 last year in 15 games, number 21 wide receiver, only five touchdowns. And, and, you know, a bad year for Stafford because he was hurt most of the year. So hopefully he gets better. Any final thoughts on that? Hopefully Galladay's
0: healthy. Sure.
1: I hope so. (laughs) All right, cool. Uh, We got some running backs coming up now. Devontae Freeman, Marlon Mack, Phillip Lindsey- and carry on Johnson. And you get to this point in the draft, 38, 37, 36, and 35 overall in our PPR rankings. Again, it, counting down, it's Freeman, Mac, Lindsey, and carry on Johnson. Do you feel like all of them have some risk or do you feel like any of them are really safe?
3: None are safe.
2: Nobody's safe.
1: <laughs> yeah. But
2: Mac is the
0: one with, Tremendous upside.
1: You don't think all of them have tremendous upside?
0: They all have so much upside; it's amazing. And Who's got
3: the most? upside? They're all going to be in timeshares. I think Mac might be in the least. I don't think Hines share. is going anywhere. Like he's not going to take, take like the work that Mac got last year away. But Hines is a part of the offense. I think two, three catches a game. I would expect more like four to maybe five.
1: Yeah. Well, who okay, so out of Devontae Freeman, Marlon Mack, Philip Lindsay, and Karyon Johnson, who has the most catches of this group?
2: Mack.
0: I'll take Karyon. I'll take Freeman.
1: You know, Karyon sneakily had 23 catches in 10 games last year. That's, you know, that's not great, but it's not like oh, PPR liability.
0: But it's also look at what he did before he got hurt like those first few games. Well, those final few games, I guess.
1: Because that's when you really
0: start to get more involved. It's 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 like there's probably a better sample size you can use than over 10 games.
1: I, if Carrion Johnson stays healthy, he's just going to be amazing. Right? Yeah, I totally agree. He's going to be great. And that, I probably feel that way about all these guys. I guess yeah, Philip right. Lindsay gives me a little pause because he was an undrafted free agent. But every single thing, your eyes, the metrics, the advanced metrics, seem to tell you he was awesome
0: last year. Yeah carry on's final four games before the injury, six catches, three catches, six catches, two catches. And that was on uh, 21 targets over those four games.
1: Nice. So I'll tell you guys, to be honest with you, with Devontae Freeman, Marlon Mack, Philip Lindsay, and carry Johnson. I don't know that I would have the same pick every time if I were drafting and they were all available. Like I mm-hmm. might mix it up because I'm not sure I confidently feel that one of these guys is better than the rest.
0: The the fun thing about it is, depending on how your draft goes, if you go receiver receiver, you can have these two guys, two of these guys as your starting running backs, mm-hmm. and you should be ecstatic about it.
1: That's a great point. Do you, do you have a preference, the to top two guys?
0: I like Carry on and and Mac the top two, but you know I, I could see it going. Lindsey just makes me nervous because of the you know coming back from the injury. I think you know the fact that he's gonna be ready for training camp is good, but it's still a, it's a tough injury to come back from. And I do think that they're gonna give Royce Freeman more work. It's almost like the Seahawks uh, on a different scale. Because I think Lindsey will still remain the lead guy by a significant margin. But I don't think that Royce Freeman's lack of work last year will be the same. I think Freeman will get a, a bigger piece of the pie. The
2: He's, only reason why on Johnson is third for me is because I'm, I can't stand the Lions coaches and their demand to have two or three running backs split the workload. How dare they want their running backs to be healthy and last the full season?
1: Yeah, he got hurt last year. So Marlon Mack's very injury right, prone. Devonte Freeman's obviously injury prone.
3: Philip Lindsey's cur- currently,
1: currently hurt. So there's that risk. Marlon Mack averaged uh, over 16 carries per game. That's a 260 carry pace that he was on. If you get 260 carries in the Colts offense with Andrew Lucky quarterback
3: and that offensive line, like you're going to just the shine. only thing I'll say about that. And I I like Marlon Mack, but yeah, I think I might be a little lower on him than most. Part of the reason the Colts running back thing was so attractive was because of how luck dumped the ball off and the success they've had in the passing game. Right. That didn't go to Mac last year.
2: No, but I think that's something that might this year. But Hines is done. better at it than that. But when Hines is on the field, I think it tips to the defense what they're up to. Because why would they take Mac off? Because
0: well, they want to throw.
1: I think the my point is, is and I, I, I know what you're saying, Heath, like, is... A good point. And
0: Max is not going to be a dominant pass catcher.
1: Yeah, but but I no, do think no.
0: he's, he's going to struggle to get to thirty.
1: I do think he gets a lot of touchdown opportunities. You know, like he's clearly yeah, the, it, unless they bring look, in Wilkins or something, like he's getting the the goal line
0: work. The the Dallas offensive line, I think, it, whether you know pro football focus or whoever grades it out to be, is still going to be the gold star of what everybody considers to be the best offensive line in football. The Colts could be number two, and so if you're if you're just looking at what the the offense could be. Play caller, quarterback, offensive line. He's the dominant running back in this group of their guys. It's not Hines. It's not Wilkins. It's just that, that Mac, if he could play 13-plus games again like he did a year ago. Uh, you know, I'll go back to, to Chris Ballard at the Combine when they were talking about you're going to consider drafting another running back or bringing somebody else in. And he said, you know, over the over the playoffs gave us 1,100 total yards. And I don't think we've seen the best of what he could do yet.
1: And how about this? Marlon Mack missed four games last year. And he had 12 carries inside the five-yard line, which was really good. Second on the team was Naeem Hines with three carries inside the five-yard line. So, you know, goal line dominance, or at least in terms of the share of carries, would be really good for a Colts running back.
0: It, it just, like, if he could just get to 40 to 45 catches and stay healthy, it's a lot of ifs, but he could be, you know, top 10. Yeah, sure. And
1: I feel like... True or false, any of those four guys. Freeman, Mack, Lindsay, Carry on, top ten potential, right?
0: Yeah, Freeman, yeah. I mean, look, if he plays 16 games, we've seen it before. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and you want to talk about offensive offensive line upgrades. Nobody upgraded their offensive line more than the Falcons. All right. So oh, if sorry. he plays 16 games, you're going to be thrilled with his value as well.
1: Two more running backs, two more wide receivers left in our countdown. Uh next up, we've got the wide receivers will do, I guess. Robert Woods is thirty-four overall. And Adam Thielen is thirty-two overall. Well, I'll be honest with you. I I I felt like there's a lot of separation between those two guys. The consensus rankings would obviously indicate otherwise. Um so discuss Woods versus Thielen.
3: I actually have Woods ahead of Thielen right now in both formats, and I'm my biggest concern with Thielen and with Diggs is how run heavy this offense goes they had so much success last year in the first three quarters of the season and then down the stretch when we were kind of keeping track of it because Thielen dominated the targets early in the year and that really changed in the second half and Diggs got a much larger share of the targets. I'm not I got Thielen at 115 targets. It doesn't feel good. But uh, that's where I'm at.
0: It happened in the three games, too, when Stefanski took over as the play caller. You know, Thielen was battling injury then, but it was Diggs and Rudolph getting a much bigger share of the targets than it was for And there weren't
3: very many targets, not enough to chop up three ways.
0: Uh, No, and if they they want to be as run heavy as they can. Look, Mike Zimmer is on the hot seat. If they don't make the playoffs or make a significant playoff run, he may get fired. So he's going to go out swinging the way he wants to go out, and that's going to be run the ball, play defense. And so as much as they invested in Kirk Cousins last year, and they have these two amazing receivers with a great now tight end group with you factor and Irv Smith and, and Kyle Rudolph, you know, the, the, the chance for them to be an explosive pass offense and still there, but I don't think that's what Zimmer wants to do. And bringing in Gary Kubiak sort of speaks to that. So Thielen's numbers will still be good. It's just, I think the problem is with him is you're drafting him to be what he was in those first nine games when he was being mentioned in the same category as Jerry Rice. And so it's just hard yeah. to expect that to be the case once again. So I don't have a problem getting Adam Thielen, but I will never get Adam Thielen because of where he gets drafted.
1: Yeah, sorry. I just want to give the numbers because they're eye-popping. Yeah, please. Sorry. In his first eight games, his 16-game pace was 148 catch, hundred forty-eight catches, 1,850 yards, and 12 touchdowns on 192 targets. It was outrageous.
0: It wasn't 16 touchdowns? Didn't he have a touchdown in every game?
1: First eight games? No, he had six touchdowns. He had 100 yards in every game.
0: 100 yards, you know, I'm sorry. You're right.
1: Yeah, yes. yeah. It was amazing. What an animal. And I figured I figured it was the change in the offensive style and whatnot and the targets going down at the end of the year uh, that would make you drop Thielen close to Robert Woods. He was also playing through an injury. He had a back and calf issues at that point. Dave, what were you going to say? I apologize.
2: Well, I, you're talking about mouths to feed in Minnesota and the offensive style. And I think you could make the same case with Robert Woods. And it's why I've got some pause with Woods. I think he's going to be obviously an integral part of the Rams offense, but... He did a lot of damage with Cooper Cup on the shelf. He did some with Cup on the field too, but I'm I'm worried about target share for both him and Brandon Cooks once Cup
0: comes back. Yeah, uh, he was pretty awesome when Cup was healthy though. And the other thing is, actually, his numbers were better without. With Cup.
3: He was the most targeted Ram last year Mm -hmm. when he was healthy. He missed the last four games of the season. But he he was getting the most targets in that – It's two years in a row now. I think he is – What were his targets with Cup versus without Cup?
0: I mean, I'm just looking at his game log. 9, 9, 11, then a little dip, 5 and 7. Then the 7 was the game where Cup got hurt, but he had 5 for 92 in that game. Then 10, 7, 7. His targets actually didn't dramatically rise. I I will
1: say this, though. I I believe – Jared Goff's pass attempts went down late in the season.
0: Yeah, it's um, like almost after the Chiefs game.
1: Yeah, big time. They started running the ball a lot. They were blowing out opponents a couple of times. Goff himself wasn't yep. really playing that well. So, you know, it was like they lost Cooper Cup, and they also didn't throw as much. So I guess the I guess the targets would probably remain sort of the same in that, you know, maybe a bigger share. I'm not
0: sure. I'm not sure. I, 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 I always think of Woods, and I'm looking at it right now because it, it, it would happen three games in a row. Like, when I – do my rankings on a week-to-week basis, I think five for 70. Yeah. Because that's almost consistently what he does. And he had that three-game stretch, week seven, week eight, week nine, five for 78, five for seventy, five five for 71. So 12 in PPR, seven
3: and none. And his 16-game his yep. pace for the Rams is 81, 11, 43, and six. I've got him projected for 77, 10, 59, and six. And that's the number 16 wide receiver.
0: He's somebody, Adam, You know, on, on a lesser scale of what you were talking about with guys like Mike Williams and, and Ridley of pedigree and opportunity because he had a terrible opportunity in Buffalo and he got a great opportunity with the Rams. And he was considered a very good receiver coming out of USC. And he finally got the chance to you know, prove it. All
1: right, let's what finish up. What round on him?
0: Oh, uh, late round three, early round four in PPR.
1: We'll finish up with two running backs. Aaron Jones is 33rd overall in the... PPR rankings top 150 and Leonard Fournette is 31 by the way Thielen was wide receiver 15 and Woods wide receiver 16 we're now talking about Fournette and Jones who are running back 14 and running back 15 so we're basically in the same range at running back and receiver and we are done with uh, uh, 31 through 60 today so we finish off with Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette and I know Jamie really liked Fournette this year to bounce back right
0: uh in a big way yeah I I think you know Last year was a disaster, clearly. Um, he was hurt. He was bad. Offensive line was bad. Bortles was bad. Everything was just bad for the Jaguars. Uh, but you go back two years ago, he had over 1,000 yards rushing. Uh, I was on pace for, what, like 40 catches, 30, 39 catches, something like that. Um, the offensive line is one of the biggest keys for me. Uh, center, left tackle, left guard, all hurt last year. They're all expected to be back healthy. The addition of Jawan Taylor I think is going to be huge on that offensive line. Um, Fournette and, you know, presumably according to all reports, better shape, uh, coaching staff, front office, all behind him once again. And so I think you look at it that two years ago, they led the NFL in rushing attempts. Uh, I think it was like 416. If they get over 400 rush attempts again, that's going to be a big workload for Fournette. And I think he can handle it. Uh, our colleague, Will Brinson, um, in our, in our magazine said he would not be surprised if Fournette plays 16 games, if he's the number one running back, that's a little bit of a stretch for me. But if he plays 16 games at what he's capable of, I think he could be a top-five guy. So I don't have any problem taking him at the back end of round two in any format.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny because we did that show, I think, last week, five things that wouldn't surprise me. And I said, wouldn't surprise me if Leonard Fournette leads the NFL in carries. You know, I, I don't know that he'd lead the NFL in touches because he's not going to cast the ball like Zeke would maybe in Barkley. But, yeah, he's going to he's gonna get the opportunities for sure. And final thoughts on Fournette, guys? And we'll go to Jones.
3: they're there's a low, low floor with his injury history and his attitude history, but he could be a top
0: five running back this year.
2: I would add to the floor the change in play caller and the addition of Nick Foles as a quarterback. Not that Nick Foles is, you know,
0: the next. Their philosophy not changing. Andrew Luck.
2: I think, I think Foles being there gives them another option that they'll feel more comfortable with this year than last year, where if Fournette's not getting it done, we can take it to the air. That's what they'll think. I like Fournette. I think he's a good number two running back. And uh, I like him in round three. And I'm just not as high on him as you guys are.
1: Are you, as high, are you high on Aaron Jones?
2: I am. I do like Aaron Jones and, and the outlook for him in Green Bay. Um, led the NFL with five and a half yards per carry. The coaching staff is already saying that they want to be able to run the ball more efficiently. He's in better shape. And um, I, I think he could end up getting a little bit more work in the passing game and on the ground. Be that lead back for the Packers, and that's typically been a good place to be as long as you can stay healthy. Now, same same health issue that we could talk about with almost all of these guys we can talk about with Jones. He's had three MCL injuries in two years. So having him stay upright is important, but I'll take the chance on his upside in round three before Fournette.
1: I don't think you can overlook that early season schedule you were talking about with Aaron Rodgers. I agree.
2: That's That is definitely something that's on my mind.
1: Because keep in mind what happened last year. Uh, this We knew Aaron Jones was suspended two games. So we looked at Jamal Williams and the opportunity he would get, and we saw mm-hmm. Bears right. and Vikings weeks one and two. He's going to lose that job based on those matchups. And he didn't immediately lose it, but Aaron Jones eventually took over. Aaron Jones has averaged 5.5 yards per carry two straight years. Uh, you know Whether it's a product of being with Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. But he has been great touching the ball. Seven-game stretch midseason. He averaged 14 carries per game. And based on those seven games, he was on pace for 1,600 total yards and 18 total touchdowns would have been absolutely amazing in fantasy. Um, Okay, let's hear the case against Aaron Jones, and then we
3: will end the show. He has the same floor as Fournette without the same upside.
0: I would agree. I I think, you know, whether it's Jamal Williams or Jamal Williams and Dexter Williams, those guys are going to take some work off of his plate. On top of the injuries, on top of the fact that this is still a pass-first offense. It's not a run-first offense. So um, that doesn't necessarily hurt him, but it doesn't give him the same upside as some of these other guys that are going to be in some run-first offenses that also catch the ball.
1: Don't agree that he doesn't have the same upside as Fournette. Because Fournette, like, I'm I'm sorry to be the YPC guy, but Aaron Jones has been worlds better than Leonard Fournette in yards per carry.
0: He's more explosive. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot to like about when he gets into open field and his offense will allow him to do that a little bit more. But there's also, you know, there's a reason why Fournette should have more touchdown opportunities because he's going to get those carries inside the five, which is going to lower his yards per carry from time to time.
2: Right. And that could be taken away by Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay because he's going
3: to want to throw for a touchdown. And it's a handoff. It's a lot easier to average 5.5 yards per carry on 80 to 130 carries. Right. He needs more care. Like, it goes without saying.
2: He's got to get. Can he hold up to it, though? That's the question. That is a question. Well, that many, is something that they got to talk about.
1: How many carries did he have in 2017? 81. So that's 214.
2: I'm in over carries? a season.
3: I'm sorry. Yeah. He had 80, and then he had 100. Just
1: making the case for my boy
2: here. All right. Uh, oh, he's great. He's yeah, great. good, but he's had ten or fewer carries in half of his
0: games. I mean, I
1: he's just got
2: tons. I, of
0: I just, I just think he's never going to be a workhorse in the sense of what you think of. He benefits from playing in this offense.
1: And final thought from me on Aaron Jones is that we did a super flex draft that we'll talk about next week. I took Aaron Jones, and then I took Jamal Williams, and I think that's a, I think that's a really good idea, to, to lock up that if back it's through. if
0: it's Jamal Williams.
1: Yeah, if it's Jamal Williams. If it's not
0: Jamal Williams, though, you probably don't need to take the second guy because it could be them cannibalizing each other. Sure. All right. Good show. Can I? Can I I say something?
1: No. Why you got to keep cursing all the time? Why? Body bath. Uh, we got one more coming for you this week. What is it? One through thirty.
0: One through what?
1: (laughs) Dave, please sing us off.
0: What? What? -na 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 Na 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 na.